Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Let's open up our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. And I'm going to read first in the New International Version. And it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I also want to read this in the message translation, and it reads in this manner. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, act like it. <laughs> Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. But look up. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, look up. And be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See things from his perspective. I want you to look at your neighbor and give them the title to today's message and tell them, look up. The best is yet to come. Tell them, look up. The best is yet to come. You could shake them up and tell them, look up. The best is yet to come. <laughs> Amen. Uh, can you join me in prayer as we, as we bow our heads and close our eyes? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for all that you've done, but we believe that there is more that you have in store. Thank you for 2017, but Lord, we believe that the best is yet to come. We love you, God. Thank you for giving me the amazing privilege of pastoring one of the most amazing churches in Staten Island, New York. I get to be the pastors to some amazing kids, and I'm married to the baddest woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everyone shouts, amen and amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, can you give him one more praise in his house? Woo! So, August 27th. 2011, August 27, 2011, you're wondering what that date uh, signifies, but that date, I want to let you know today that that is the day that my life was changed because on August 27, 2011, Rolando Remedios married the most gorgeous woman on the planet, Lisa Roman. That is when she loved me the most because I was about 60 pounds heavier. And if you don't know this about my wife, she is a chubby chaser. But it's been, it's been, it's been some time, man. We have been married now six years, and that's about two decades in Hollywood years. And we are now married six years. We came together with our pair of children. One of the deal breakers is like, hey, you want kids? I was like, no. She was like, I said, do you want kids? She was like, no. I said, then it's of God. Let's get married. And so we both came with our pair of kids, and God has done some amazing things in our marriage. But let me tell you, Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa have come a long way in our marriage. Hey, hey, calm down. Uh, you know, sometimes we give the illusion that we are prim proper and perfect, but I want to be honest with you, we have come a long way in our marriage. Like, we have learned some stuff. Like, we have learned, I don't know if any, there's any relationships here, but have you have learned how to keep it together? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you fight the whole way to church. Why are you making me late? But you don't understand. Why are you doing this? What again? Why did you have breakfast last night? Why did you do this? What are you doing this? And you walk out the door of your car fighting all the way to church. And the, so, and the moment a sister or a brother comes up to you, you say, how are you? Hey, God bless. Everything is good. We are blessed and highly favored. Man, we were worshiping the whole way here. Do you feel the presence of God today? We learn how to keep it together. You know, we might look prim and proper on the outside, but let me tell you, we have come a long way. 
in the first couple of years of our marriage, let me tell you. See, I came, you know, I don't know if you know this about my wife, but she is, um, well, how do you say? She's a little aggressive. And, uh, and, you know, she has, she, she has been used to be the dominant figure in her previous relationship. And, and for many years, she was molded to be that way. And she, she was kind of like the one in charge. And, and then, you know, she meets me and we get married. And I don't know if you guys know, I know you guys were thinking because, you know, Pastor Roe reeks of testosterone. And so when we get married and I'm a dominant figure and she's a dominant figure. We bump heads. You know, we, 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 we bump heads. And at the beginning of our marriage, we have, oh, man, we went through some conflict. I know in church we were ready. Hallelujah. Lisa's out here worshiping. I'm over here preaching. But, man, we went through some stuff. We've come a long way. We are where we're at, but it was a lot of prayer, fasting, and a lot of chocolate. All right? And so uh, I remember the first couple of years of marriage uh, when, I, when, when my wife, uh, again, she was used to being the one that called the shots. And, and I'm not against that at all. But, you know, it just I'm, I was used to calling the shots too. And I remember my wife, you know, she, she, was, uh, she, uh, she was used to making the financial decisions. And she was the one that earned the, 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 the household income. And she was the one that said where the money was going. And I remember our first time doing a budget. Woo. Imagine that. And I remember that uh, the first time I tell my wife, because I'm a numbers guy, and so finances are real simple to me, and so I'm a numbers guy, and, and I know that when we have money to pay rent, it goes to rent. But in, in Lisa's equation that if we want to go on vacation and we got to pay rent, guess what Lisa's doing? She's going on vacation. <laughs> Somebody's, you only live once, let's go. <laughs> right? And I remember uh, I told my wife, I was like, hey, we're not going to be able to do that this week. My beautiful wife, she, we were sitting on the floor and had our notepad and I was on the computer and my wife puts her head down. And I said, honey, we're not going to be able to do that this week. And she, what do you mean we're not going to be able to do that this week? I said, no, we're not going to be able to do that this week. I mean, you know, it's not in our budget. And she puts her head down. And I'm like, honey, are you okay? I'm fine. Baby, are you all right? I told you I was fine. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, I, said, I took two steps back and I said, devil, name yourself. I thought I was about to do an exorcism right there. But we've gone through it, man. I, I remember, I, you know, I, I, I remember that I thought I could kind of like get mad and intimidate my wife. But I didn't realize that my wife, she doesn't flee from danger. She runs to it. And I remember I was like. Yo, yo, you get me so mad. Yo, I'm gonna. She was like, and before I could finish my sentence, she took two steps forward and she said, you're gonna what? <laughs> I was like, nothing. I'm gonna go pray. <laughs> right? We've gone through it. And I know we joke around, but I want to be transparent that uh, we have finally, the first few years in our marriage, and when I tell you, that we've been married six years. When I tell you the first few years of our marriage, I'm talking about the first five years of our marriage. First five years of our marriage, man, I was just like, one of us got to go. <laughs> I like, but one of us got to go, man. We've been through it. We, we kept it all prim and proper on the outside. But, man, inside our home, we went through it. And 2017 actually has been a remarkable year. Because in 2017, I can honestly say it has been the greatest year in our marriage. It is in this year that we have realized that the conflict, the differences in our life that were actually the source of conflict in our life actually was what God wanted to use to complement each other. See, the, the very thing, the differences that we thought was bringing, it was the source of conflict. It was actually the material that God wanted to use to complement one another. And now I see her differences as a, as a gap that I have in my life. And the differences that I have and the reason I'm built a certain way is to fill in certain gaps that she may have in our life. And we saw them as, as game changers, but they were actually the component that God wanted to use in our life for us to become history makers, not deal breakers. See, man, 2017 has been an awesome year 
for your pastor's marriage. Thank God, right? Thank God. You can clap for that, right? I think we ought to celebrate every single marriage that lasts five years plus. Amen? Man, you five months. Praise the Lord. Five months. You made it five months. I know, I know a, a, a marriage that they had the biggest wedding in the world. They lasted three months, got divorced because they didn't know who they were marrying in the first place. And they saw their differences as deal breakers, not as the, the material that God would use to make them history makers. And we've had an amazing 2017. But here's the temptation. That many times when we arrive at a certain place, many times when we overcome the struggle, we stop short of all that God has for us. And we've adopted this term in our marriage that we look at each other. I, I, I look at her and I look into her eyes and I say, can you imagine? 2017 has been an amazing year for us. Has it? it has been the best year in my marriage. Do you hear that, Kuwao? 2017, 2011 was I, 12, 2012 was Worse, 2013, worse than that. 2014, we kind of broke even. 2015 was like, 2016 was like, oh, man, this is done. We're over. I'll, I'll, I'll take half the church. You take the other half of the church. 2017 has been the best year of our marriage. But we haven't arrived because we look at each other and we say, hey, this is actually the threshing floor. This is actually the launch pad. Can you imagine that as good as this is, the best is yet to come. I look into her eyes and I said, baby, our marriage has been good this year. We've experienced so much, but here's the truth, that the best is yet to come. And, and, and I think that I want to declare that to someone today, that no matter what you're going through, but no matter what you've accomplished, you can't look at your past as something or where you are or how, where you have arrived as something you can use to coast or get by. I want to declare prophetically to your life that no matter where you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how much you've experienced, no matter how much you have lost, the best is yet to come. The worst is not coming, but it's the best that is yet to come in your life. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. Come on. You got to declare that over your life. Yes, I've been through some stuff. Yes, it wasn't easy. 2011 was hard. 2012 was even harder. 2013, but listen, 2018, we're looking at the Lord and we're coming in agreement with what he has declared over our lives. And we're saying, yes, we've done a lot. But there is more in store for what God has for us. The best is yet to come. Look up. The best is yet to come. And I look at our church life, and I see the same thing. When I look at all that God has done in our church, and, and I see where this church started, and I look at 2017, man, can I tell you, 2017 has been an amazing year for Christ's uncensored house of worship. Some of you guys are like, what is that? That's Kuhau. And <laughs> like, I thought our name was Kuhau. No, it's Christ's uncensored house of worship. <laughs> Kuhau. I thought it was Kuhau Church. Well, yeah, it kind of became that. Uh, it's been an amazing year at Kuha. It's been an extraordinary year at Kuha. But I want to let you know and declare to your life today that the best is yet to come for this church. That the better, our better days are actually not behind us, but our, de our better days are ahead of us. And so we can look back at all that God has done and we can use it as, 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 as things to reflect on how good God is. I look at this year and I look at the beginning of this year and I look at some of the things that God has done. This year we, we had our, our, our annual uh, couples dinner. And it was in this year that maybe about 20 couples came together and we, excuse me, we celebrated those days together. And you know what happened? I can't tell you how many testimonies that took place uh, during this time. I'm telling you, there's some husbands that love this day more than the ladies do. They're like, man, there's something about couples dinner. Woo! I'm telling you, Pastor Roll, I'm going every year. There's some people that want to fake a relationship just to go to this night. Amen. But I thank God. 
I thank God that we are a church that promotes marriages and promotes healthy relationships. And so uh, we can thank God for what he's doing. I think about 15 to 20 couples came together and, 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 and saw what God could do in their life. And we had an amazing time. But uh, we saw what God could do in 20 uh, couples. And let's give God some praise for every single couple that was able to attend. We also saw that through this church this year, 2017, we have something called Ignite NYC. Ignite NYC, and through the grace of God, this church community was able to reach young people. We had um, two this year in Staten Island, but we also expounded our borders and went to Brooklyn, and we were able to touch about 120 kids' lives in Brooklyn, New York. Man, 2017 has been an amazing year. We had uh, Kings and Queens, we had March Madness, and we had Notorious. And in each and every one of those events, lives were restored to Christ Jesus. Amen? We also had our baptisms this year. We had our baptism barbecue where we were able to baptize lives that gave their life to Jesus. They made a public declaration. They said, God, what you have done on the inside, I want to be able to profess and, and step into an act of obedience and declare to the world that I love you, declare to the world that I'm dead, that I'm buried, but now I'm resurrected with new life. And so in 2017, we were able to baptize some of the people that you see baptized here, serve in our community. Some of the people you see baptized here will be the next pastors in this, in this church, will be the next leaders in this church, will be the next organizers in this church, and it started in one day of baptism. Could we give God some praise for every life that made that declaration? We had our back to school outreach 2017, man, man, man. 2017, we were able to come together and make a difference in this community. But we reached about 200 kids and families and gave about 200 backpack with materials. In this school, we've been told that 92% of the kids that go to this school live below poverty level. That 30% that of the kids that go to school speak another language at home. And that 10% of the kids in this school, about 13% of the kids that come to this school also um, live in temporary housing. But guess what? When we spoke to the principal of this school, through your generosity and through your heart of giving, we were able to come as a church community and make a difference, not only in the lives of the kids of this school, not only in the lives of the teachers, but also in the lives of everyone in this community. They are looking forward to what's going to happen in 2018. This, last year, we were able to reach 200 kids. This year, I believe that God is going to double that. If you believe that in this place, give God some praise. We had friends and family dinner. Man, those cupcakes, I was only able to eat one. But man, they were life. But God has done some extraordinary things where we were able to invite our friends and families and uh, had a time to share the gospel with them. That was actually one of our highest attendance. We, we nearly reached 100 people uh, that day, 100 people gathered in this sanctuary. And let, let me tell you, that's an amazing feat because in this school we've never had, in this auditorium we've never had 100 people. But there's about 200 seats here. So this place was half full. But how many of you guys know that when you are growing, you don't get your shoe size. You get a shoe size a little bit bigger because you want something a little bit bigger so that you can grow into. I'm not going to stop the growth of this church. We're looking at this place and we're going to say, First thing is before pipe and drape, I said, you want to stop pipe and drape? We got to fill this place with lives that need Jesus. If you believe that, give God some praise. <laughs> Our Heart to Give Day, we came as a church community and we said we got, we're looking to raise $15,000 in one day. And in one day, every year, our church community comes together and says, we're going to give God our very, very best. And for some people, their very best was $1,000. There was about almost six or seven, maybe I think eight people that were saying, Pastor Roe, you could count me in. Our church is going to, our family is going to donate $1,000. And we were looking to raise $15,000. But God doesn't just meet your needs. He exceeds your needs. And so we were able to raise that day, not $15,000, but $15,438, and all that was, was, was able to be used to expand God's kingdom. 
This year, 42 people, just this year alone, 42 people graduated Growth Track. This year alone, we launched five community groups. This year alone, we launched from a sanctuary that sat about 75 people comfortably. Uh, this is where we were. Some of you guys don't know. This is the location that we were. And, and we were like sardines in this place at times. But it sat about 75 people comfortably. And we moved into our new location. And uh, can we go to the first day of our new location? Do we have that? Did I send that? First day of our new, we, I didn't send that? Oh, okay. The first day of our new location, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was a disaster. <laughs> it was a disaster. But how many of you guys were blessed by what took place last week in our Christmas Eve celebration? Friends and family was packed, but last week, uh, this church was even filled beyond friends and family. And so I thank God for all he has done. Can I also show you where we come from? Four years ago, um, four and a half years ago, we were in a living room. As you can see, if this was on video, you would still notice that Reuben did not have rhythm. <laughs> but we were in a home, maybe about six. We started with about six. We got to ten, maybe uh, maybe. 15 people, and then we got 20 people, and our landlord said, you cannot have church in a house. What are you thinking? What are you crazy? And the very next week, God gave us our new location, which at that time was 11 Olympia Boulevard. But today, we sit in this sanctuary. And here's what I want to tell you guys today, that Kuhau is going to change. But that's good news. Did you know that? Did you know that Kuhau is going to change? Because we could thank God for all that he's done. We can thank God, man. We can come in this location and say, man, we, we made it. We have a good church that loves each other. We're giving generously. We're loving one another. We're serving. We're finding freedom. Chains are being broken. And we could kind of sit here and say, hey, we're good with 80 people. We're good with 90 people. We're good with 100 people. But here's what I believe, that the better days are not behind us. We can use these days and say, wow, God, look what you've done and look at where we are. We've come a long way. But when you keep in mind where God actually wants to take this church community, we would look at today and say, wow, Lord, look what you have done. Because there's maybe about 70 people in this sanctuary, but there will be a day in this church community where every single seat in this sanctuary, and I call it a sanctuary because the moment you step into this building, it becomes the church of God. And so where every seat in this sanctuary is going to be filled with a life that needs to know Jesus. Come on, Kuhau. If you believe that in this house, give him some praise like you believe it for real. It's going to be filled with your families. It's going to be filled with your loved ones. For some of us, it's going to be filled with the children that you're going to give birth to. I'm just saying, there's going to be weddings that are going to take place here. There's going to be children that are going to be dedicated here. There's going to be lives that are going to be transformed here. And it all started in a home. But guess what? The best is yet to come. See, we can just coast we can just coast from here. We can just look at what God has done and say, well, Lisa, we've arrived. We, our marriage is good. You're finally listening to what I said. <laughs> I finally figured it out. You have. I said, we could coast from here. But the truth is that if we stop short now, we're actually missing what God has in store. And I just want to, I want you to write this down, that when, you, when you're thinking about what God is doing, when you think about that the best is yet to come, you're thinking about what God has prepared for your future will exceed what he has provided in our past. I want you to write that down today because I want you to remind yourself that anything that God has provided for you in the past will be exceeded by what he has prepared for you in the future. When I look at my life, I've accomplished a lot. In my 30-ish years of living. But I look at my life and I say, man, that's nothing compared to what God has in store. See, I don't want to just coast and get by. No, I want to get what God got me for. 
And I've yet to attain all that God has me for. And then maybe you can look at my, uh, many times we look at our life and we say, well, at least I'm not this. And at least I'm not here. And at least I'm not doing things. And I'm like, man, you are stopping short of all that God has for your life. And God says, I have this amazing, expansive, outrageous future for you. But you're still focused on what I've done for you in the past. You're still eating off the manna of yesterday. But I got manna for you today, and, I, and the manna for today is not going to be the manna that I'm going to have prepared for you tomorrow. The best is yet to come. I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, look at this. The holy writings say, no eye has ever seen no ear has ever heard, no mind has ever thought of the wonderful things that God has made ready for those who love him. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, now glory, to be, now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than what we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, infinitely beyond our highest desires, infinitely beyond our highest thoughts and hopes. Guess what? What God has prepared for your life will leave you in awe. What God has prepared for your life will leave you in wonder. How in the world did this happen? How in the world was God able to pull this off? What God has prepared for your life will will put you taking two steps back, sucking in air with your jaw dropped. My God, look what the Lord has done. God has this kind of life prepared for you. It says exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ever ask or think. Can you imagine that your wildest imaginations, you present them to God and he looks at you in the eye and he says, I could top that. So you've been, what does your prayer life look like? God says, I could top that. What have you been desiring more than anything in the world? God says, listen, man, that's small compared to what I got for you. What is it that you have your hope on that God is saying, listen, that's small. What I got prepared for you will leave you in wonder. What I got prepared for you can top anything that you can ever even think of. Do you know how crazy your imagination is? And God says, I can top that. I can top that. I can do far beyond what you can ever ask or think. And this church has evolved and this church has grown. But the reason that this church has grown is because this is a church that is more concerned by, about what God is preparing for us more than what God has provided for us in the past. We can look at the past. We can look at what all that God has done for 2017. We can look at all the beautiful things that God has done as, as, as points of reference and times of reflection. But it is always to look up because the best is yet to come. The Apostle Paul speaks to his church and he says, listen, I want since then you have been raised with Christ. What is he doing? He is reminding the listener that you have been raised to a higher standard. That you're not called to live below average, that you're not called to live with the earthly perspective, that you're not called to live a life less than what you need faith for. God is saying, listen, I want you to be raised. I want you to know that you are raised with Christ. Look what he says, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set, again, here we go, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. The message translation says, look up and be alert to what is going around in Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Man, there was a day in this church community that Pastor Rowe knew everybody's name. And I knew your kid's name. And I knew their social security numbers just in case I had back credit. There was a day in this church community that we 
were able to celebrate every single birthday, and I was able to shake everybody's hand. And sometimes as we're growing and we're evolving, there's a lot of things that have changed. Maybe in this day and age or in, at the stage of our church community, we are changing and we are evolving. But I want you to know it's because we are moving forward towards what God has prepared for this church community. And yes, we can stay at this level and know everyone's name, but there's, a, there's, there's something more that God wants in store. God doesn't want to keep us in a comfortable state. God God wants us to go beyond further. What does that mean? You're going to have to learn new people. You're going to have to trust new people. You're going to have to start with meeting new people. Guess what? Felipe from down the block can't be your best friend forever. You're going to have to introduce yourself to new people. Why? Not because you want to make new friends, but because you want to make new friends for the sole purpose of introducing those new friends to Jesus Christ. Some of us need to make new friends with people that don't know God. Some of us have too many Christian friends in our circle. We need to meet, meet some people that need Jesus and bring them to church or bring them to a community group and tell them about the love that you've experienced. Tell them about that love that has changed your life. Tell them about the radical Holy Spirit that has come into you and changed you from left to right, from up to down, has rearranged your life. Tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this church is changing. This church is evolving. I may not know everyone's name. Like I used to. I actually get upset at that. And God, God has to remind me. God, God has to remind me. The important thing is that I know their name. The important thing that it's not your church, Pastor Rowe. It's my church. You're just the vessel that I'm using in this church community. You know, you might come to this church. And I, and I want you to know, there might be a time that everyone hugged you and everyone knew you. And now things are changing. And everyone shook, shook your hand. But our church is changing. Can you imagine us trying to throw a birthday party for every single person in here oh, having a cake? We, we need a birthday par party budget in this church. And there was a day that Sister Fran was able to hook up a cake for everyone. And my wife, do you know that there was a day and age in this church community where my wife cooked for every single member? Every Sunday. Man, church at the house was crazy. Church, we had arroz con gandules every single day. And at that time, I used to eat meat. So I, we used to eat chuleta. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the Holy Ghost was in that house. But I want to I ask you today. The Apostle Paul says, he says, set your hearts on things above. He says, I want you to set your hearts on things above. Well, he's not saying I want you to look up physically. He says I want your heart to look up. Why? What is it in your life today that has you keep, that keeps you looking down? What has? What is it in your life today that has your life? You're just looking what, at what's in front of you, or you're looking at what's behind you. You're looking at the the past experiences, but but you're also so so uh, uh, overwhelmed with your present reality. I want to ask you this one question. Are the decisions we make dictated by our past, uh, past experiences and present realities? Or are they directed by what God has prepared for our future? I want you to think about that for a second. Because in order for us to embrace that the best is yet to come, we got to look up. Our life has to look up. Our language has to look up. Our life has to look up, our language has to look up, and our love has to look up. Your life, number one, first. What are the decisions, the decisions that you make today? Are they directed or are they dictated by your past experiences or are they directed by the future that God has prepared for you? I think about so many people that they experience so many tough things in life, and you, you know them, and you may be one of them. I have been there as well where we think we know it all because what? Because we've experienced some stuff. And we have this motto, I've been there, I've done that. Oh, I've gone through some stuff, and we start giving advice that way. We start making decisions based upon what happened to us in the past. We treat people based upon what happened to us in the past. We make decisions. We take job, jobs, job opportunities because of what happened to us in the past. And our decision-making and our actions that we take are simply based upon past experiences. And God is saying, no, I want you to create, make decisions, and take actions based upon the future that I have for you. My God. He says, I want you to make decisions based upon what I have for you. 
We see this happen in John chapter 11 where Jesus is about to resurrect Lazarus. Jesus is, is on his way to re resurrect Lazarus and it says, finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Watch this, watch this. I want you to catch this. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and I will wake him up. He goes to resurrect Lazarus. And look at the first thing that comes up. The disciples look at him and say, wait, wait, Jesus. Do you remember what happened the last time you went over there? Do you remember? Do you remember? They try to kill you. They try to stone you to death. And look what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, that was then, but this is now. See, I, I, think, I think many of us need to declare that over our lives. Yes, you failed at some things, but that was then. This is now. See, too many times, I, I believe in 2018, I'm not going to live my life conditioned by my past, but I'm going to live a life committed to the future. See, I'm not going to live my life conditioned by my past. I'm not going to live, I'm not going to allow my life to be conditioned by my past experiences. But I'm going to be committed to the future more than I am to my past. And many times we need to divorce our past in order to embrace the future that God has for us. I'm not going to live a life that is conditioned. My past conditioned me. My experiences conditioned me. The situations around me that surround me are conditioning my decisions and my thoughts and my language. No, I'm not going to let my past condition me, but I'm going to be committed to the future that God has has for me. And Jesus wants to declare and he says, listen, 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 you, 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 yes, I know we almost died the last time we were there. Yes, I know we failed the last time we were there, but that was then. This is now. <laughs> yes, things didn't work out for you the last time. Yes, you lost it all the last time, but that was then. And this is now. Yes, you lost it all, but this time you're going to get double for your trouble. Yes, last time you hit rock bottom, but this time you'll be founded on the rock. Yes, last time you failed, but this time you'll succeed. Yes, last time you ended up defeated, but this time you will end up victorious. Yes, last time you were broke, you were busted, you were disgusted, but this time you're going to be blessed. This time you're going to be prosperous. This time you're going to be triumphant. This time things are not happening to you, they're happening for you. See, we, we need to have a but now in our life. We need, to, we need to understand that whatever happened can't condition the way I live my life. Whatever happened in the past, maybe, maybe there's a relationship that last time didn't work out. And so now every relationship you walk into is conditioned by the previous relationships you have experienced. Maybe you see your future based through the lenses of your past and last time... Even your relationship with God didn't work out. Maybe you were in a different setting, in a different church community, in a different household, and last time it didn't work out. But what if I told you this time, God's going to work it out for you. Yes, last time it failed, but this time it will succeed. Last time you lost your mind, but this time you will have peace of mind. Because what God has allowed you to experience didn't happen to you, it happened for you. The number two thing I want you to think about is not only our life, but our language has to look up. How many would agree that anything that's not growing is dying? And I, and, 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 and I don't know about you, but as a parent, I didn't believe in pacifiers. I didn't. Until I had a kid. And I remember I, was, I refused to give my son Bishop. I just brought him home from the hospital. And we were, I remember there was one night that I was trying to record in the studio. And he kept crying. And he was crying and he was crying. And I fed him and I held him and nothing worked. And there was that one, we call it a bobo, pacifier. 
And I remember my, my son, uh, <clears throat> he's crying. And after that day, I realized that pacifiers are a miracle of Jesus. Because I took that pacifier, I placed it in that child's mouth, and I didn't hear him to the next morning. <laughs> How many parents can praise God for some pacifiers? But here's the truth. God says in his word, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I understood like a child. But now I'm a man, and I don't act like a child anymore. See, see, I, I, I don't know about you, but see, so many times there was a time in our life that we were able to get by with a pacifier. But how many of you guys would agree that if you saw my son at 12 years old walking in with a pacifier in his mouth, you'd be like, what in the world? Why? Because at this time in his life, you ought to think that he is reacting or responding to his emotions a little bit differently than he did when he was one years old. Do you know that that's God's message for you, to, for you today? That sometimes what, what God is doing in your life or sometimes the experiences, man, we ought to learn how to respond to rage differently. We ought to learn. See, some of, some of us are still uh, using pacifiers in our life because we're not growing and we're not evolving. And so 2011 comes, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 17, and we're still trying to pacify what God is saying. No, I'm trying to give you a new way to approach that. Some of us are still struggling with the things that God has told us years ago because he's trying to prepare you for the future that he has for you. And God is saying, listen, you're still trying to think like a child and understand like a child. But what you don't understand is that when you are grown, you have to make an intentional effort to put away childish things. What does that mean? The things that you used to do, the things that you were comfortable with, the things that you were okay with, at this time is not appropriate for you to be wearing diapers. At this time is not appropriate for you to be wearing a bib. At this time it's not appropriate for you to be using a pacifier. This time you ought to approach things a lot more differently than you did when you was a teenager, than you did when you was a kid. And God is saying, look, I'm looking for the natural progression. There's conversations I can't have with people because we're still having the conversation of how do you get that bib out of your mouth? How do you get that pacifier out of your mouth? And I want to start teaching you how do you deal with your emotions. 2017, man, there's, there's, there's ways that we thought and there's ways that we spoke that we can't speak anymore in 2018. There's some things that were in 2018, I want to make a commitment to confess God's promises more than I complain about my problems. Is anybody hearing me today? See, I want to make a commitment in this church that we're going we're gonna to confess God's promises over our lives instead of complaining about the problems we experience. Ask yourself that. Are the words I speak confessing God's promises? Or are they complaining about the problems? I want you to take an inventory of the words that come out of your mouth. Are you speaking like a child? Because I don't know about you, but a child complains so much about their problems. You know what they don't do? They don't confess the promises of their father. I've never seen my son said, said Dad, I really don't want to clean my room right now, but your will be done in my life. But I know that you are faithful. No, but it takes maturity. To step into a level of understanding to say, I'm not going to look at my problems as an opportunity to complain. But I'm going to look at my problems as an opportunity to confess God's promises over your life. I truly believe some of the promises, that some of the problems that you're experiencing even today, God is saying, listen, I'm waiting. Woo! I'm waiting. Is, it, is he, is he going to complain this time or is he going to confess this time? I'll come again. Here's another problem. Am I going to complain? Or am I going to confess? I, I think that we need to confess God's promises in our lives for 2018. Every time, listen, oh, baby mama drama, I'm going to confess God's promises over my life. Oh, there's financial issues, I'm going to confess God's promises over my life. Oh, there's, there's children, behavior issues, I'm going to confess God's promises over my life. I'm not going to complain about them. I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to just complain, be a worry wart. No, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to confess God's promises over my life. 2018 is going to be a different year for this church community. And we're going to be more focused on looking up. More focused on 
more committed to the future than being conditioned by our past. We're going to be more focused on confessing God's promises than complaining about the troubles that we have. There's going to be a lot of problems. Hear me, Kuhau. There's a lot of problems that this church community is going to face. Did you know that? You know that it's not going to all be, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without book. You know, it's not going to be all like that. Sabes que? It's not going to work all the time. It's going to take us declaring God's word over and over and letting ourselves know, letting our soul know, guess what? The best is yet to come. Yet, Listen, when we walked into this location, let me tell you, it was a nightmare. Everything was, the sound didn't work, the visuals didn't work, the drummers, I think even Marcus played bad that day. Could you imagine that? Everything went wrong. But the best was yet to come. The best is yet to come. Oh, help me say that today. The best is yet to come. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up, and I want to give you this last one. Our love has to look up. Our love has to look up. The posture of our heart needs to look forward. It needs to look up. It needs to look ahead. It needs to... Our love, listen, what's the greatest deterrent to love? It's fear. It's fear. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. See, the reason that you can't live well is because you don't know how to love See, some of us think we have a relationship problem, but you don't have a relationship problem. You have a love problem. Are you hearing me? See, what I realized when, when me and Lisa got married is that I thought she was the problem and she thought I was the problem. Could you imagine that? And we thought we just didn't do relationships well. It's not that we didn't do relationships well. It's that we didn't know how to do love well. And the reason that we didn't know how to do love well is because there was still residue of fear within our hearts from our previous. And I want to declare to you that any place in your life that has a residue of fear was not given to you by God. Oh, you have fear to move forward? God didn't give you that. You have fear to love someone the way you should be loving them? God didn't give you that. That was given to you by a person. That was given to you by an experience. But it was not given to you by God. <laughs> you have fear to actually embrace the future that God has for you? That wasn't given to you by God. That was deposited in your soul by someone else. But this is what the Bible says. My son, my daughter, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. My child, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. You know what I gave you? I gave you a spirit of power. Power to overcome and obtain the future I have for you. I gave you a spirit of, spirit of love. A spirit of love that casts out all fear. And a spirit of a sound mind so that you can look up and have a heavenly perspective. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4. I want you to hear this carefully. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear. I need, I need, I need you to grasp that. There is no fear in love. Love perfected. This is what love, when, when God's love starts being inserted in your life, it starts doing this to fear. Have you ever been in the pain? Push back. This is what love does. And you get filled with your love. But perfect love cast out all fear. I said perfect love. Come on, come on, push, 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 push. But perfect love cast out all fear this is what love looks like in your life 
See, you're focused on your fear, but God is saying, focus on my love. And when you focus on my love, my love begins to expand in your life. And the fear begins to expire. The fear begins to evaporate in your life. Perfect love casts out all fear. Woo! still here today is because the best is yet to come. Sometimes fear of what would happen or could happen makes nothing happen. Fear has only become stories we have told ourselves and believed. But God says His perfect love for Fear has to do with punishment. Watch this. And whoever fears, watch this. Oh, God, I wish I could touch this stuff. Whoever fears, is that you? Are you the whoever in this? Whoever fears, watch this, has not been perfected in love. You know that word perfection is not actually speaking out, it's not speaking about spotless. It's actually speaking about maturity. He says, whoever fears has not moved into the present, has not matured in their life, in their love with God. Their love has not grown. What does that mean? That we're still relying on our own sense of love as an emotional thing. But love is beyond that. Love is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And God is saying, the more of me you get. Listen, if you still have fear in your, in your life, it means that love has not been perfected in your life. You cannot do relationships. You cannot do friendships the way you can when fear is completely removed in your life. Let me tell you, there were times in my life that I knew I couldn't forgive a person. There was, there was people, listen, I, I, know, I know pastors won't confess this. I know, I know. But there was times in my life, hear me, hear me. There was times in my life when there was people that I didn't even want to see ever again. Can you imagine that? And I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but it's the truth. I felt so wounded and so offended by what was done to me. How could, and I... Literally, I could look at them. I, if I never spoke to them again, I'd be all right. And I'm a little ashamed to say that today, but it's the truth. And I said, God, if I feel like this towards this person, it's because your love hasn't perfected in my life. If I feel like this towards this person, then I could care less of their future. I could care less of their life. It's because your love hasn't perfected in my life and every bit of residue of fear that is in my life is because it's their absence of God's love in it are you the whoever whoever fears has not been perfected in love listen the only way you're going to be able to see that the best is yet to come is for us to, to live our lives looking up that our language is looking up that our love whew, is looking up. Why I'm loving people not because of what they've done to me in the past. I'm not loving people based upon their conditions in the present. I'm loving people because I am looking up at a heavenly perspective. Come on, if you believe that, give God some praise in this house. Can we get up on our feet today? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.